0: Chapter 33 of The Portion of Labor by Mary E. Wilkins Freeman This Lipperbox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Berard Chapter 33 The next afternoon poor Eva Tenney was carried away, and Andrew accompanied the doctor who had her in charge as being the only available male relative. As he dressed himself in his Sunday suit, he was aware that such pitiful passes had financial straits brought him of a certain self-congratulation that he would not be at home when the dressmaker asked for money that night and that no one would expect him to go to the bank under such circumstances but andrew in his petty consideration as to personal benefit from such dire calamity reckoned without another narrow traveller miss higgins stopped him as he was going out of the door looking as if bound to a funeral in his shabby sunday black with a solemn sad face under his well-brushed hat i hate to say anything when you're in such trouble mr brewster said she but i do need the money to pay a bill and i was wondering if you could leave what was due me yesterday and what will be due me to-day but fanny came with a rush to andrew's relief she was in that state of nervous tension that she was fairly dangerous if irritated look here miss higgins said she we hesitated a good deal about having you come here today, anyway. Ellen wanted to send you word not to. We are in such awful trouble that, she said, it didn't seem right for her to be thinking about new clothes. But I told her she'd got to have the things if she was going to college, and so we decided to have you come. But we ain't had any time nor any heart to think of money. We've got plenty to pay you in the bank. But my husband ain't had any time to go there this morning, what with seeing the doctor and getting the certificate for my poor sister. And all I've got to say is, if you're so dreadful afraid as all this comes to, that you have to lose all sense of decency and done folks so hard in such trouble as we be, you can put on your things and go just as quick as you have a mind to, and I'll get Miss Patch to finish the work. I've been more than half a mind to have her anyway i was very strongly advised too lots of folks have talked to me against your fitting but i've always had you and i thought i'd give you the chance now if you don't want it you just pack up and go and the quicker the better you shall have your pay as soon as mr brewster can get round after he has carried my poor sister to the asylum you needn't worry Fanny said the last with a sarcasm which seemed to reach out with a lash of bitterness like a whip. The other woman winced. Her eyes were hard, but her voice was appeasing. "'Now, I didn't think you'd take it so, Mrs. Brewster, or I wouldn't have said anything,' she almost wheedled. "'You know I ain't afraid of not getting my pay. I—' "'You better not be,' said Fanny. "'Of course, I ain't. I know Mr. Brewster has—' steady work and i know your folks have got money we've got money enough not to be beholden to anybody said fanny andrew you'd better be going long or you'll be late." andrew went out of the yard with his head bent miserably he had felt ashamed of his fear he felt still more ashamed of his relief he wondered going down the street if it might not be a happier lot to lose one's wits like poor eva rather than have them to the full responsibility of steering oneself through such straits of misery i hope you won't think i meant any harm the dressmaker said to fanny quite humbly there was that about the sister of another woman who was being carried off to an insane asylum which was fairly intimidating miss higgins sewed meekly during the remainder of the day having all the time a wary eye upon fanny she went home before supper urging a headache as an excuse she was in reality afraid of fanny andrew was inexpressibly relieved when he reached home to find that the dressmaker was gone and fanny having sent annabel to bed was chiefly anxious to know how her sister had reached the asylum it was not until the latter part of the evening that she brought up the subject of the bank "'Do look out to-morrow, Andrew Brewster, and be sure to take that money out of the bank to pay Miss Higgins,' she said. "'As for being done again by that woman, I won't. "'It's the last time I'll ever have her, anyway. "'As far as that is concerned, all the money will have to come out of the bank if poor Eva is to be kept where she is. "'How much money was there that she had?' "'Just fifty-two dollars seventy replied Andrew. Jim had left a little that he'd scraped together somehow with a letter he wrote to her, and he told her if he had worked he'd send her more. "'I'd die before I'd touch it,' said Fanny, fiercely. Then she looked at Andrew with sudden pity. "'Poor old man,' she said. "'It's mighty hard on you when you're getting older, and you never say a word to complain. But I don't see any other way than to take that money, do you?' "'No,' said Andrew." And you don't think I'm hard to ask it, Andrew? No. God knows if it was your sister and my money, I would take every dollar. You know I would, Andrew. Yes, I know, replied Andrew hoarsely. Maybe she'll get better before it's quite gone, said Fanny. You say the doctor gave some hope? Yes, he did, if she was taking proper care of. Well, she shall be. I'll go out and steal before she shan't have proper care poor eva fanny burst into the hysterical wailing which had shaken her from head to foot all intervals during the last twenty-four hours andrew shuddered thinking that he detected in her cries a resemblance to her sister's ravings don't don't fanny he pleaded don't poor girl he put his arm around her and she wept on his shoulder but with less abandon after all we've got each other and we've got any haven't we she sobbed. Yes, thank God, said Andrew. Duh, Fanny. That, that's more than money, more than all the wages for all the labor in the world, and that we've got, haven't we, Andrew? We've got what comes to us direct from God, haven't we? Don't think I'm silly, Andrew, haven't we? Yes, yes, we have. You were right, Fanny, replied Andrew. I guess I am too, she assented looking up in andrew's poor worn face with eyes of sudden bravery we'll get along somehow don't you worry old man i guess we'll come out all right somehow we'll use that money in the bank as far as it goes and then i guess some way we'll be opened then there came over andrew's exultation to which fanny's words had spurred his flagging spirit a damper of utter mortification and guilt he felt that he could bear this no longer he opened his mouth to tell her what he had done with the money in the bank when there came a knock on the door and fanny fled into the bedroom she had unfastened her dress and her face was stained with tears she shut the bedroom door tightly as andrew opened the outer one the man who had loaned him the money to buy ellen's watch stood there his name was william Evarts and he worked in the stitching-room of mcguire's factory in which andrew was employed it was reported well to do and to have amassed considerable money from judicious expenditures of his savings and to be strictly honest but hard in his dealings he was regarded with a covert disfavor by his fellow workmen as if he were one of themselves who had somehow elevated himself to a superior height by virtue of their backs if william everts had acquired prosperity through gambling in mines they would have had none of that feeling they would have recognized the legitimacy of luck in the conduct of affairs he was in a way a reproach to them why can't you get along and save as well as william everts many a man's monitor asked of him he doesn't earn any more than you do and has had as many expenses in his family the man not being able to answer the question to his own credit disliked william Everts, who had instigated it andrew who had in his character a vein of sterling justice yet felt that he almost hated william Everts as he stood there before him small and spare snapping as if it were with energy like electric wires the strong lines in his clean-shaven face evident in the glare of the street lamp good evening andrew said "'and he spoke like a criminal before a judge, "'and at that moment he felt like one. "'Good evening,' responded the other man. "'Then he added, in a hushed voice at first, "'for he had fineness to appreciate a sort of indecency in Dunning, "'in asking a man for even his rightful due, "'and he had a regard for possible listening ears of femininity. "'I was passing by, and I thought I'd call and see if it was convenient.' for you to pay me that money i'm sorry andrew responded with utter subjection he looked and felt ignoble. i haven't got it efforts when are you going to have it asked the other in a slightly raised ominous voice just as soon as i can possibly get it replied andrew softly and piteously ellen's chamber was directly overhead he thought of the possibility of her overhearing look at here andrew brewster said the other man and this time with brutal pitiless force when it came to the prospect of losing money he became as merciless as a machine something diabolical in remorselessness seemed to come to the surface and reveal wheels of grinding for his fellow men look at here he said i want to know right out and no dodging have you got the money to pay me yes or no no said andrew then with a manliness born of desperation he had the feeling of one who will die fighting he wished that Everts would speak lower on account of ellen but he was prepared to face even that the man's speech came with the glittering rush of an electric car it was a concentration of words into one intensity of meaning he elided everything possible he ran all his words together he spoke something in this wise god damn you andrew brewster for comin' to borrow money to buy your girl a watch when you had nothing to pay for it with what business had your girl with a watch anyhow i'd like to know my girl ain't got no watch i've put my money in the bank it's robbery i'll have the law on ye i'll sue ye at that moment something happened the man william evarts who was talking with a vociferousness which seemed cutting and lacerating to the ear who was brandishing an arm for emphasis in a circle of frenzy, fairly jumped to one side. The girl, Ellen Brewster, in a light wrapper, which she had thrown over her nightgown, came with such a speed down the stairs which led to the entry directly before the door that she seemed to be flying. White ruffles eddied around her little feet. Her golden hair was floating out like a flag. She came close to William Everts. Will you please not speak so loud? said she in a voice which her father had never heard from her lips before it was a voice of pure command and of command which carried with it the consciousness of power to enforce she stood before william Everts, and her fine smallness seemed intensified by her spirit to magnificence the man shrank back a little he had the impression as of some one overtowering him and yet the girl came scarcely to his shoulder please do not speak so loud you will wake amabel she said and evarts muttered like a dog under a whip that he did not want to wake her up you must not said ellen now here is the watch and chain i suppose that will do as well as your money if you cannot afford to wait for my father to pay you my father will pay you in time he has never borrowed anything of any man which he has not meant to pay back and will not pay back if you cannot afford to wait Take the watch and chain. The man looked at her, stupefied. Here, said Ellen. Take it. I don't want your watch and chain, muttered Everts. You have either got to take them or wait for your money, said Ellen. I'll wait, said Everts. He was looking at the girl's face with mingled sentiments of pity, admiration, and terror. Very well, then, said Ellen. I will promise you, and my father will, that you shall have your money in time but how long do you want to wait i'll wait any time i ain't in any streets for the money if i get it in the end said evarts you'll get it in the end said ellen evarts turned to andrew look here give me your note for six months said he and we'll call it all right all right said andrew again if you are not satisfied with that said ellen with a tone as if she were conferring inestimable benefits so proud it was you can take the watch and chain it is not hurt in the least here she was fairly insolent Everts regarded her with a mixture of admiration and terror he told somebody the next day that andrew brewster had a stepper of a daughter but he did not give his reasons for the statement he had a sense of honor and he had been in love with a girl as young before he married his wife who had been a widow older than he worth ten thousand dollars from her first husband he could no more have taken the girl's watch and shame than he would have killed her i'm quite satisfied he replied to her making a repellent motion towards the watch and dangling chain glittering in the electric light very well then said ellen and she threw the chain over her neck you just bring that I.O.U. to the shop to Marmor, said evers to andrew with a good evening and he was off they heard him hail an electric car passing and that although he never took a car but walk to save the fare he had been often heard to say that he for one did not support the street railroad after he had gone ellen turned to her father and flung a silent white arm slipping from her sleeve loose around his neck and pulled his head to her shoulder now look here father she said you've been through lots today and you'd better go to bed and go to sleep i don't think mother was waked up if she had been she would have been out here look here ellen i want to tell you andrew began pitifully he was catching his breath like a child with sobs i don't want to hear anything replied ellen firmly whatever you did was right father i ought to tell you ellen you ought to tell me nothing said ellen you are all tired out father we can't do anything that isn't right for me now go to bed and go to sleep ellen stroked her father's thin grey hair with exactly the same tender touch with which he had so often stroked her golden locks it was an inheritance of love reverting to its original source she kissed him on his lined forehead with her flower-like lips then she pushed him gently away go softly and don't wake mother whispered she and father there's no need to trouble her with this. Good night. End of chapter 33